Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Doug continues the series, It's Jesus, with a message on the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. For more information, go to thepearlchurch.org. For now, enjoy the third message in this series entitled, Leave Your Grave Clothes Behind. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a round of applause and you can be seated. Okay, so... Uh, turn to your neighbor and just say it's Jesus. Can you do that real quick? Okay. All right. So we're going to jump in here. We're in a new seat and a new series called it's Jesus. The point being that, uh, we want to see Jesus revealed in our lives in, uh, as many ways possible. Now we're in the gospel of John. Now I, I know that I open each message this way because this is very important. I, I open each message with saying to you that the gospel of John is different than the other three gospels. The synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, like to, uh, they reveal Jesus, but they're very orderly and they tell us what Jesus did. But when John wrote his gospel, he wasn't as interested in telling us exactly what Jesus did as he was revealing to us who Jesus is. Now, what's important is that that it's the same for you and I today. Uh, Our experience with God is not based on what we do. It's based on who Christ is in us. And so if you know who Christ is in you, then what you end up doing, you'll have a different experience. I meet so many people who are beat up and wounded and hurt and and insecure, and they carry bitterness uh, for years uh, in their life because they were laboring and they were doing things for Jesus and trying to make it all work. But yet the revelation of, of what God was trying to do wasn't, here's what you can do. The revelation is, here's who I am. I'm just saying that the, the who I am revelation is greater than the what you can do revelation. All right? Because the two are connected, but who he is always comes first. Now, as I read these, these passages of Scripture this morning, what you're going to see in John chapter 11, as we talk about Lazarus just for a few minutes is I want you to notice something about the human condition. And the human condition in this sense. Now, the the story of Lazarus is quite long, actually, and I believe that it demands a series. And I pray that one day we're going to get to do a series, four or five messages, just on Lazarus. We're only going to focus on the very last part of the story when Jesus says, um, help him take off the grave clothes and and let him go. We're going to talk about when he actually comes out of the grave. What's important is that you see in Lazarus something that we all have, which is struggle. Struggle is something that all of us have and you can't escape it. Anyone who says to you that after you get saved and you become a Christian, there's no more struggle, they're a liar. Amen. Uh, um, I had the very naive understanding that when I became a Christian, that life was going to get better. But how many of you know that when you struggle for your destiny, life sometimes gets harder? Because now you're fighting for a a battle that you didn't even know existed. You didn't know you have a destiny, had a destiny. And then you find out you have a destiny and a purpose and God made you a certain way. And so then you begin to fight for it. And so where you weren't fighting before and life seemed simple, now you have Christ and life is no longer simple and the fight becomes real. And so as you go through time and you go through life, you start to realize what things are actually worth fighting for. Because what happens is we fight for a lot of things in life. 
that as you get down the road a little bit, you realize some of the things that we've been, we've been fighting for are not as important as some of the things that we've just let kind of uh, slide by because we didn't understand them. So you learn. You, you learn that surrendering is as important as struggling. Let me, let me put it like this. Your ability to understand your struggle is proportionate to your ability to surrender the struggle. So if you can't surrender, you're never going to understand the struggle. But to say the struggle is not there is, is not true. It's a lie. The struggle is there because we all have a purpose. And I want you to see this in the life of Lazarus as he comes forth from the grave wearing his grave clothes. And so here, here you have this incredible picture of somebody who has new life, but they're still wearing the grave clothes of an old life that died. And so God wants us to actually walk in new life and leave the old things behind. And so we, we need to see that this morning. So I'm going to read a few verses. We'll jump in and, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. So I'm in uh, chapter 11 and I'm going to start actually in verse 38 and read through verse 44. Jesus, once more deeply moved, he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Uh, Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of, of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he has been there for four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I, of course, and this is, this is interesting because Jesus is talking to the Father in front of everyone and he's having this conversation. I just think this is funny. This is sometimes my wife and I will have conversations like this in front of our children. We'll just turn and we'll say, I'll say, honey, don't you wish our children were just more submissive? And they're sitting right there and they're very submissive. Or don't you, don't you, and we'll have this conversation and sometimes what we're trying to do is we're opening up who we are as parents uh, we're opening up our life to our children so that they can see the process and the struggle and the walk that we have. We're not trying to hide it from our children. There are times where you have to let your children see what is going on because they can, then they understand the father a little deeper. They understand the, the relationship a little deeper. They understand that there are actually people fighting for things in their life that they don't even know that they have to fight for yet. Okay, so, so here, here he is. And he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Of course, I know that you always hear me, but I'm saying this for the benefit of the people standing here. Very important. That they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice and he said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out and his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And so here, here we have in this story, we have a story of a man named Lazarus who Jesus is going gonna, is gonna to raise from the dead. And there's all this symbolism between Lazarus and Jesus. But to, to cut right to the, for the sake of time, to the point of the story, Lazarus gets sick and his family send a message to Jesus. And Jesus comes and he's going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. And Martha comes running out. And Martha comes out and says, hey, hey, you know, Jesus, if you would have been here, if you would have been here when Lazarus was sick, then I know that you could have healed him. Now, when you read this, 
it almost reads like Martha and Mary, who, by the way, Mary doesn't go running to Jesus. And it's, you, you see Martha and Mary, and, and Martha and Mary now have switched positions a little bit. Martha is the one running to be with Jesus, but Mary is the one who knows he's there, but she's hanging back. And, and so Martha runs out, and it looks like they're mad at Jesus because Jesus wasn't there when Lazarus died. And she says, if you would have been here when he was sick, then you could have healed him. And people said, well, you know, they were being rude to the Savior, and they're angry with the Savior, but this is the way I see it. I think it's okay. Because Martha was addressing Jesus to the revelation that she possessed. In other words, Jesus wasn't upset with her because she was flustered. Jesus was going to take her from a healing revelation to a resurrection revelation. And they're not the same thing. It's one thing to believe that God will give you hope to see someone healed. It's another thing to, to believe that something that has died can be resurrected. It's a totally different kind of resurrection. And when you go back a few verses in the story, Jesus is having a conversation with someone. Hey, look, um, we got a message that Lazarus, you know, your, your close friend is, is dying. He's sick. And Jesus says, listen to me, this sickness is not, not going to lead to death. And then he pauses. If someone came to me and said, hey, Pastor Doug, one of your children or someone that you love has been in an accident. And uh, they're really sick. And they're not going to make it. And, and they're asking for you. They're calling for you. You know, there is nothing that would stop me from getting to my, my loved one. I would drop everything on the spot. And I would run as fast as I could to that person's side to be there with them through their sickness, through the struggle. But this is what the Bible says. That the message was given to Jesus. And it says, and I quote, I think in verse 7. And so Jesus stayed for two more days. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. And instead of running to Lazarus in his sickness to heal him, Jesus waited for Lazarus to die. Because there are some things that need to be fixed. And there are some things in our lives that need to die. And so Jesus, it actually says, so. It says, so Jesus waited two more days. So. So, so is, a, is a purpose word. It's a, and so, and because he was sick and Jesus knew what he was going to do, he was going to take Martha and Mary from a healing resur- uh, revelation to a resurrection revelation. So he waited until Lazarus died so that he could resurrect them. Did you know that there are some things in our lives that just need to die? And you know, sometimes the things that we think bring us the most life that that at a certain point in the journey, as the seasons change, the past needs to become the past so that the future can be all that God has planned it to be. But what happens is when we talk about grave clothes, sometimes we're hanging on to the old so tightly that it keeps us bound and we can't go into the future. God says, no, some things have got to go so that your revelation can change. Now, I want to say something about revelation. Revelation is one of the most powerful doctrines in Scripture. 
Revelation is not just something that you get, something that just happens. It's a doctrine. It's actually a theological doctrine. Revelation means that you have been told something that you did not know before and you could not know had somebody not made the decision to inform you. In other words, there's no way that you're going to get this unless God gives it to you. This is revelation. We are a people of revelation. We're a people that follow Jesus. Now, if we believe that our life is natural and that we plan our own way and that we make our own plans, then we don't need revelation. But if we believe that we serve a supernatural God who brings us supernatural fruit and our journey is not one that we can plan out on our own, Scripture says, no eye has seen nor ear heard nor mind ever conceived what God has for you if you love him. What does that mean? It means you don't get it. And you're not going to get it until you learn to surrender it. And at the moment of surrender, then God reveals something to you. And all of a sudden, you, you, stop, you stop just trying to fix everything. And some things, you just got to let it go and move on. And God resurrects something. And the Bible says that the end of something is better than the beginning of something. And the, the life and the joy and the freedom that you have because you let it die, that life that comes to you is a life that you could have never understood without experiencing the pain of letting something go. Let it go. Let it go. Are you with me right now? Come on. There's just certain things in our life that we have to let go. And then Jesus comes up and he says, hey, he says, I'm here. Let's do this, right? Let's do this. And he looks over and he sees the stone in front of the grave. And he says, I want you to remove the stone. Now, Jesus is God, right? Jesus could have waved his arm and, and the, the, like in a movie and the stone could have gone flying. He could, have, he could have waved his arm and pulled Lazarus out. He could have supernaturally had Lazarus, Lazarus sitting next to him uh, in an instant drinking a latte. Really important to me right now because I have jet lag and I want one so bad. <laughs> he could have waved his arm and there could have been a supernatural. And, he, and everybody could oh, Lazarus is out of the grave and he's drinking a latte. Look at him, he's right there. He didn't do that. He looked at the very people who rolled the stone And he said, now I want you to take the stone away. And and the reason why he does this is for two reasons. He, number one, wants the people who who, who put the stone there to have to go through the process of removing the stone. So, So you and I, whether we like it or not, every once in a while, we're responsible for putting the stone on the doorway of people who are on the verge of coming back to life. He, he doesn't want us to be stone placers. He wants us to be stone removers. And, and there are two different perspectives in life. I meet these people all the time. I talk to people all the time who, who all they talk about is what this person did and what that person did. This is how I'm going to handle them. And we're constantly rolling the stone in front of their grave and walking away and saying, they're dead to me. And, and God help them because they have such bad character and they're so messed up that they need God to help them get through it. I just want to say to you that when we say those things, we become the very person that we're accusing them to be. Because God isn't, God doesn't go in and place stones over people's lives. He removes the stones. And so then at the end of the story, you see him. He look, he doesn't, he doesn't look at Lazarus and go, Lazarus, I want you to, to take off your own grave clothes and run. 
and be free. Now, if you've ever seen any kind of a, of a dramatic depiction of this, it's kind of funny. It hit me this morning. And do you ever notice that Lazarus, in every movie, in every play, Lazarus is always hopping? I don't know if you've ever noticed this. He's always hopping out of the grave. He hops out of the grave, right? The reason why he has to hop out of the grave is because when they would bury people, ancient burial tradition, what they would do is they'd put all the spices on the body, they'd wash the body, cleanse the body, and then they would, they would bind the hands, bind the feet, and they would put a turban or a napkin. The, the, the Hebrew word actually is napkin. It's a, a large cloth. It's the same kind of napkin that they put on Jesus' face. Man. Wow. You know, when they put the napkin on Jesus' face, Jesus, he came out of the grave. He took off his own grave clothes because he's not bound the way we're bound. He folded up the napkin, placed it in the middle of the tomb, walked out. Lazarus, who needs Christ, comes out still bound. He's still bound. So he has to hop. And he says, come forth. So Lazarus hops out, and then he says to the people, now I want you to take off his grave clothes. And I want you to let him go. The the second piece of this is, is that there are some people here that... You have been wounded by people in your life that you need to forgive or you you need to have trust again. Do you know the people who take the grave clothes off and let them go, they represent biblically, symbolically, they're a type of the church. When you've been hurt and and you're used to people rolling the, the stone over your grave, you have a hard time trusting people. So Lazarus, Jesus is, is, is helping Lazarus. Lazarus is going to be set free by the same people who rolled the stone. Some of you need to learn how to trust again. So God helps us to trust people. And you got to trust the church. And then he gets the church to realize what it is that they've done and, and, and what their part of the process is. Jesus did not do it himself. And he didn't have Lazarus do it. He had the people standing around him do all of the work, the physical work. Because he wanted the people who were in it to be a part of the process to getting him out of it. And he wanted Lazarus, who was dead and in it, to experience the church helping him to experience freedom. There were two claps right there. That was powerful. That was powerful. Even in jet lag, I can clap two. I can count two claps. So here, here, here he is. And so you have, you have Lazarus and you have the people. Now... So Lazarus, Lazarus comes out of the grave. Jesus says, Jesus says, roll the stone away. He comes out of the grave. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Now, if you're Lazarus and you're dead, <laughs> to say that, if you're dead and you're wrapped in your burial clothes and you're sitting in the tomb, now, if you have ever been in a dead place, just, just, just hear me on this. If you've ever been in a place where you are so desperate and so broken and so wounded and you feel dead on the inside, there are moments where the only voice that you can hear is the voice of Jesus. There, there are times when nobody else's voice helps. How many people here are married? All the married people, clap your hands. Oh, isn't it great? Wives, 
Don't you wish that when you're having the worst day of your life, don't you wish that your husband could just be Jesus? Don't you wish that he could come up to you and just, and just wave? Honey, come out of that thing. It's okay. And you, you just, it's just not the same. If he, if he comes up and he says, why are you crying? You shouldn't be crying. You just want to, you, 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 I'm on my way out. <laughs> you know, I'm coming out and I'm going to take you out. You're going to be joining me in here. I mean, there's, there, there's something where no one else's voice works. There are times when your husband's voice doesn't work. Husband, there are times when your wife's voice doesn't work. There are times where your best friend or your pastor and all these things. There are times where no voice can help you because you've heard it all before. Listen, if you've been in church your whole life or a year or five years, you begin to learn the lingo of the voice of the people. And the voice of the people is great, especially if they love you. But the voice of the people has nothing on it compared to the voice of the Savior, which actually pierces through the Dirt, goes behind the stone, goes underneath the burial clothes, gets into, into the heart and the head of a dead person and speaks to something that was dead. Only Jesus can speak to something that is dead. And, and when you hear that voice in that place, nothing will ever take that experience away from you. This is why the voice of God is so important. And it's why we need to learn how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, because the Holy Spirit is the comforter. The Bible says that God sent us the comforter, comforter to speak to us. And, he, and he's, he lives in us. Christ lives in us. The Holy Spirit is here learning how to hear the voice of God, not in some not in a, in a way where it becomes a little strange. In other words, where, where you decide everything that you're going to do um, in your life according to what you heard in a prayer time. Because there's other ways to hear God's voice. Here's one of them right here. Right? I, I always buy the red letter edition. Okay? Now, if you didn't know this, if you've ever wondered why some Bibles don't have red letters, if you can even believe this, it's because Zondervan actually copyrighted the color red. So only Zondervan Bibles have red letter editions, okay? And so you go read some other Bible and you go, oh, it's not red. It's not real. It doesn't work. The first time I got a Bible that had black letters where Jesus' words were, I was so upset that someone had stolen the voice of Jesus from me. Listen, there, there are ways. You, you hear his voice through the Holy Spirit, but you hear it through Scripture. Because the, this is the voice of God. So many people will come to me and say, I heard something and this is, and I'm going to do what I heard. Line it up with scripture. And what does scripture say? What do the red letters say? Because if what you're hearing does not, does not match up to what the scripture says, then you need to adjust how you're attempting to follow God's voice. But hearing God's voice is very, very important because only God's voice can get to the place that's dead. And so then what, what do you do? Okay, there's three things here. There's three things. Um, if you're taking notes, write these things down. What do you do? How is it that you leave your grave clothes behind? Now, grave clothes, especially in like, like in Philippians or Ephesians chapter 5, all the stuff that we deal with. How do you leave them behind? Because the, the picture of someone with new life still wearing their own grave clothes. How do you leave those things behind? Number one, you have to surrender your weaknesses to God. So you have to be willing to build on your weakness and not your strength. Now, let me, let me tell you something. So many people try to build on their strengths. But the strengths 
the gifts of God are given to you, you're going to build on them. It's going to happen. But if you can't build on your weakness, in other words, know your weakness and let your weakness speak through you to people who are looking for something authentic as opposed to something made up. See, you, you have to surrender, not your strengths. People go, oh, I'm going to give God my strengths. I've had so many, so many young leaders come to me and they're like, I'm called to preach. And so I'm going to surrender my life to a life of being in the public eye. You know, I'm going to have to deal with hundreds of thousands of followers. I'm going to figure out, do you have any idea how much time that takes? Uh, and they go, I'm surrendering my gift, my strength to God. And I know he's going to anoint my strength. Yeah. He does anoint your strength because the Bible says the gifts of God are given to you without repentance. I know people who can move crowds who don't even know Jesus. I know people who can, who can get you to, to have an emotional response because they're so dynamic in the gift. But, but, but surrendering your weakness is, is a completely different experience. It's, it's, it's like saying, Lord, I know I'm screwed up. I know I have a struggle. And so I'm not going to bury the struggle. What I'm going to do is I'm going to step out of the grave and I'm going to say, Lord, here, here is my grave clothes for everybody to see. And they are the ones who are going to help me get out of this. And I trust them. Because you're going to heal me with my issues of trust. So here's, here are my grave clothes. Here's my weaknesses. And the people that, that love me are going to help me get through this. So I'm not going to sit back there in the grave before I come out to the public and, and get cleaned up, take off my grave clothes, put on a nice new robe, and then come out of the grave. You know, here I am, everyone. I have arrived. I'm going to come out of my grave clothes and the people who love me. So you have to surrender your weaknesses to God. Number two, you have to allow grace to have its full effect. For grace to have its full effect means that you have allowed Jesus himself to speak to not what you do, but who you are. Remember that grace, that the Greek, the Greek word is, is um, charis. It actually means gift. Jesus is grace. He was the gift, right? Jesus came to earth to you as a gift. So for grace to have its full effect, it means that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not through a pastor, not through a sermon, not through a building, not through a band, not through a song. But you and Jesus, you're having a full relationship as you deal with your weaknesses and God anoints your strengths. But grace having its full effect means you and Jesus have a thing. You, You got a thing with Jesus and you love him and he loves you. Grace, the gift is having an effect on me. And number three... Number three, you have to be able to say, I don't have the ability. I don't have the ability. I don't, I don't have the ability to do what it is that God's put in my heart to do. Because what God has put in my heart to do comes from revelation and not from gift. So huge. God, what, I, what God's called me to do, I can't do. If you think that you can do it, you're missing a section of what God has for you. What God has for you, you can't do by yourself. So if you don't have the ability, then you have to lean on grace. And if you lean on grace, then you have to connect and surrender your weaknesses. And all of a sudden, you're doing things and accomplishing things that you never dreamed that you could accomplish. But not because of what you do, but because of who he is. Everyone say, it's Jesus. 
it, say it again. Say it's Jesus. And he's speaking to you. And his voice is powerful. And his voice pierces the darkness and pierces the stone. And all of the wounds and all the offenses and all the stuff. And he speaks to the dead place. And he says, it's time to get up and walk out of that thing. And these people are going to help you. This is how I designed it to be. Now we're going to stop. I want you to put everything down. Stand to your feet. Okay, here we go. And I'm going to pray. And I believe that God this morning is going to do something significant in some lives here, okay? Bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Jesus, this morning I'm asking you to help some people leave their grave clothes behind. I'm asking you, Lord, that people who have who've had struggles trusting can trust again. People who have had struggles believing can believe again. People who have never had a... a, a a resurrection revelation because they're, they're hoping for something to be healed that God wants to die so that he can resurrect something greater. Lord, I'm asking you today to speak to the hearts and the minds and the spirit and the soul of these people. Jesus, I love you today. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. As you stand in the presence of Jesus and you feel you, you know that God's working in your life, but you're still wearing the old grave clothes. In other words, you, you have bitterness. You're struggling. You don't have faith. You don't trust. You, you, you literally, you, your guilt and your shame and your struggle is out there for everybody to see. And you're just sitting there. I want you to know today that grace is in full effect in your life. Now, you know who you are, but if you need to step into your future and leave the past behind today, lift your hands and let me see you. And let's let God do what only God can do. And let's let God say what only God can speak. I don't do this all the time. If your hand is lifted, I want you to step out of your seat quickly and come join me right here. Because this is a symbol this morning of you stepping out of something old and stepping into something new. Come on. I want you to come down here and line up across the front. Go right across the front. Come on. Right here. I want to have my prayer team on the left. I want you guys to come over here and join me and some of the leaders. Make sure that everybody has a hand on their shoulder. Church, uh, uh, just uh, close your eyes with me and pray this out loud. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it again. Lord Jesus. Today in this place, I'm walking out of something. Something old something difficult, something dead, and I'm walking in to something new and living. Say this, say, Jesus, here is my heart. I give it to you and I trust you with it. I trust you, Jesus, with everything in my life. Come on, say this, say, Lord Jesus, this is hard, but I trust you with my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Now lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each person. I ask you, Lord, to touch them and anoint them and bless them and heal them. Lord, we leave our grave clothes behind and we step in to something new and to something God and to something good. In the name of Jesus, let's go ahead and sing the song as we pray. All right, come on.